Welcome to another edition of Fashion Council, uh, continuing from quarantine. Uh, but we have the pleasure of being joined by Arthur Zakowitz, uh, Senior Director from WWD. Uh, thanks for joining us, Arthur. Thanks. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you. My, my first question today is um, pre-vaccine, and I'm not sure when we're going to be post-vaccine. Uh, a lot of our retail clients are really struggling. Um, they're, the, the whole model they're using is very different. Now they have occupancy requirements. They're only allowed to have a couple of customers in the store at a time. Uh, maybe they have to take the temperature of their customers. Maybe they have limited hours. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure how these customers continue to thrive really in the pre-vaccine world. Uh, what are you seeing? I know you monitor this for most of the industry. I'd be very interested in your, your insights. Well, the, um, you know, you have to also put this in the context of what happened right before, you know, the pandemic hit, which is, you know, we, we had a softening of, um, of sales, right? The consumers were pulling back. We had millennials who were kind of uh, cash-strapped. We, we had, uh, you know, department stores who were being really losing market share to the resale market. Uh, and we had a, a luxury segment that was already shrinking. And then, and then all of a sudden, pandemic time, right? So it changed everything, right? You know, consumers um, focused on essentials. They, they, you know, did their shopping online. And then they started opening up. You know, we saw this in, in May. Uh, they started opening up buying other categories. They got very used to, to shopping online. Uh, now, as stores have you know reopened over the the past month and having to close again because of you know kind of a, a resurgence in in COVID nineteen, uh, we have a very different environment. So you know, for the shopping experience, it's a, it's about safety, right? To consumers, you know, they want a uh, transactional uh, experience right now, which is why I think you're seeing things like you know curbside pickup uh, or you know buy online pickup in store really as, as key areas of investment for, you know, retail brands, whether you're your target or whether you're a small specialty boutique uh, retailer in the fashion industry, it, it's really about safety and, and making it easy and seamless for the consumer. So, so that said, the, the, the whole environment you know, puts into question, like, what is, well, what is retail going to look like in, in, even in the near future? Like, how, how do we go about it? How do we make sure that people are safe um, walking into the store, if they feel safe, they you could, you know, you have to maintain social distancing. Uh, some states are now requiring, you know, that you have to wear a mask when you're in the retail shop. I know just today uh, in the UK, they're they're making that mandatory. Um, so, so what does that mean? What is the shopping experience? What does the beauty counter look like? Yeah, I agree. You don't have that experience at a beauty counter. So, so there's a whole lot that's in flux. And if you're not, if you weren't, you know, kind of engaging. Uh, consumers online and making sure that, you know, they're getting what they want, um, you know, as far as an online experience, you know, that, that is a whole nother layer on the complexity of this. Like, you know, if you didn't have your e-commerce game, you know, really polished, you're, you're probably struggling uh, right now as, as, you know, e-commerce sales are up, what, 100% for the fashion accessories uh, segment, at least in the U.S., yeah, so, what's interesting is you're, you nailed it. It's where you feel comfortable or safe. It's a perception component because, you know, you look at China when they reopened, they, they had uh, incredible increases in sales because people felt comfortable going into stores. But then when Germany reopened, you know, they, they, they didn't bounce back anywhere at all. And I think you're seeing that on a state-by-state basis as these different uh, boutiques open up and malls open up. And now with the, the second wave or maybe the continuation of the first wave, 
uh, it's a real problem. So I, I, that's an interesting point. You know, this is like um, you, know, you talk about a vaccine that's you know in the works. Uh, I mean, that, that's that's good wishful thinking. But is it? You know, I, I just read another story today about how the uh, how the COVID nineteen has mutated. So does that make a vaccine? you know, effective, right? So it's all, it's all about perception. So instead, I think if you're a good, you know, if you're a good retailer and you, and you have a strong brand, you really should just focus on that perception of, and reality of making it safe for the consumer, regardless of whether we have a vaccine or not. So one of the things I've seen you mentioned before was the idea that some of these boutiques and, and retailers are really thinking about their model differently. Some of them are just to survive are, are looking at doing, instead of the shopping experience, more of a boutique experience. And all of them have some level of curbside pickup. Um, do you think this is effective? Do you think, uh, and we can talk post-vaccine as well later, whether this is gonna exist uh, as an element that sort of you know, morphed into the future, but what's your thinking on that? What are you seeing? Well, you know, I look at brands like Nike and, um, you know, uh, Apple, for example, and how they present their stores. I think they're excellent models. Look at Microsoft did a few weeks ago, they, they closed all of their retail. So that brings into question, if you have a relationship with the consumer and it's, and it's and robust and they're loyal and you can convert them online, what is the retail stores, what is the role of a physical space, right? It's to experience the brand physically, right? So does that mean having, you know, 400 units? No, maybe that means having 20 units, but in, in really key places, you know, uh, and making sure that they're, you know, they're presented well and they're, you've made the right investments in those key locations. And again, you know, uh, nurturing that relationship with the consumer online uh, and offline and whether it's chat or email or just m making sure that that's uh, using technology like personalization and AI to kind of nurture that relationship. Uh, so when they go and experience the brand, whether it's in the store or the flagship in, you know, uh, New York, the, uh, they're, they're wowed. And yeah. I think that, that is, that if you, I think if you start in that place, uh, you, you'll be doing well. Yeah, and some brands have a better ability to do that depending on their cachet than others. I mean, Ralph Lauren, I think, uh, took their, their flagship store in New York and made it an experience, almost a museum type of experience. And then, I do think the future, and we've been seeing this for a while, is the omni-channeling mode, where you, you really have a lot more data on your consumer and, and you're really helping the consumer figure out what they want. And the, the brands that did that and got ahead of that probably have a good web experience, but the brands that were behind are, are, are going to struggle. I, you know, the uh, it's a, it's an investment. That's why. You know, I don't know why, but you know, fashion in particular, they're always late to the game when making technology investments. And you know, they were late in using and leveraging consumer data, uh, and they're trying to catch up uh, now. And what this has proven is that you need you know, you need that data. You need you need to to make to make those investments if you haven't done already. You know, whether it's personalization or using AI to kind of uh, segment your your consumers and and kind of create um, personas based on what they buy and really looking at that and studying that data uh, or, or hiring an expert to help you with that if you can't do it in-house. So a hard question for you. Retail brand hasn't invested in this and done this. Is it too late? I mean, because they, they got to catch up really fast. And I think it's going to be difficult to catch up in this, this you know, pre-vaccine world. 
I think if you're a direct to consumer brand and and you have, you know, if you have a um, and you have a strategic plan and a very tactical way of of you know, kind of engaging the consumer, I don't think it's too late. Uh, consumers, you know, are are fickle. They tend to be fickle, and they'll switch brand loyalty. So if you could win them back and or steal steal them from somebody else, uh, but you have to do it, you know, in a way that's going going to uh, uh, kind of adhere to what they want, which is, you know, the right product that fits right, you know, if it's fashion at the right price point, whether it's a luxury item or, you know, or ready to wear uh, or active wear, whatever it's, it's, um, but again, it's about that relationship. And I, you know, I always look at, um, you know, people say, well, you know, sometimes the relationship will sour, maybe that had a bad experience or you burned a bridge with that consumer. Well, bridges could be rebuilt. Let's go back and surprise them and delight them. Uh, you know, as long, as long as you have the data and you, and you know, you know what they're buying and what they want, uh, and you serve that to them, you know, I think you could win them back. It's not too late. So the the other fear I have is I, I read an article today that uh, this it was in a major journal, and and they were predicting that you know close to twenty five percent of the malls could go out of business in the next five years as a result of this. They were already hurting, and and they were trying to make their whole philosophy for combating the, the mall experience was to make an experience and cram as many people into one place and make them stay for as long as possible. And, you know, pre-vaccine, I mean, I, I think malls are going to have a really difficult time. Um, and and when you think about the retailers, the, their two biggest expenses are rent and uh, personnel. And here you have rent that you're, you're clearly not being able to, to, to make your, your bogey on. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure how they do that, especially even if they reopen and they're only allowed 25% occupancy in their stores, how are they supposed to make and cover the rent? I'm, I'm really scratching my head on that. So that, that's a, a very sensitive topic, right? So we, uh, today, for example, Neiman Marcus, uh, just said it was, it was pulling out of some, some rents. You have to, um, you know, it, it is, it's the largest expense. So you, that's the first thing you should be rethinking. And there's an inherent problem, um, not just with malls, but I think I think commercial real estate in general is, you know, there's a lot of, um, you know, taxes are way too high, right? So there's a lot of communities where, you know, the commercial um, burden is much higher than the residential burden, and and there's no choice, you, you know, you have to pass that on, and it's just a, you know, there's a whole tax reform issue that I think needs to be addressed. Maybe maybe it will be. Beyond that, the you know, we have uh, a, a lot of markets where we have to say, well, do we need a mall? You know, what is the role of the mall, right? When, you know, in the early 70s, you know, they were uh, farms, you know, were taken over by Levitt houses, right? We, so we had the suburbanization that exploded and that malls came in and, you know, and kind of served that role and became the downtown, these suburban areas. Well, you know, what is that? Is that still needed, right? So are we still overstored? In the U.S., yes. So, so what is the role of the mall? I think that that's the question. Uh, what kind of experience is going to be agreed? But for the retailer standpoint, I think it's even more because I think the malls are going to have to figure out how to adapt, or they're going to die. The retailer has to really deal with that the, the new paradigm, for lack of a better term, and figure out how they're going to actually make their money. I think it's going to be really difficult. So, so maybe, maybe there are models. I know there's a couple of companies out there that have um, you know revenue share, you know, or lease sharing, right? So maybe it's a pop-up model, a pop-up store that comes in seasonally, and you know, we, whatever the sales are, you know, we we 
you know, we agree on on the, on the rent for that. Yeah, I don't know. A new model is definitely needed, right? Well, we've tried that with a lot of the landlords, and they've been not so favorable and inclined to take those deals because uh, they have to cover their their loans. So okay. it's going to be a tough moment. Uh, you've also talked about you think a lot of companies have learned how important the supply chain is as a result of the, the COVID situation. Can you explain that? Well, well, well I think the uh, before the COVID pandemic hit, the, you know, we were struggling with a uh, you know, trade war with China, right? So uh, the fashion apparel, you know, wasn't it wasn't as intense as, as maybe other segments, but it exposed a lot of weaknesses in the supply chain. It made a lot of brands think, wait a minute, you know, are we doing, uh, do, uh, we, do we have all our eggs in one basket? And that's a, that's a bad thing. So it exposed a lot of weakness. And then when once, you know, the pandemic hit, it was, it really uh, intensified and, and showed that the supply chain, the whole value chain is, is a broken system that we can't get goods uh, where we need them. Lead times are ridiculously long and, you know, we need a better way. And there's, you know, again, there's technologies that, that could help that there is uh, you know, digitalization um, technologies that, you know, for example, like if you, um, you know, the old way would be, I would, you know, make a prototype and I would have it FedExed, you know, from the factory in Asia and it would take like, you know, six weeks to get just the prototype. That's like ridiculous, you know? So like if you have digitalization technology or 3D uh, technology, you could do it instantaneously and you could, you know, operate and, you know, reduce the lead time. Uh, And also, you know, you could test the product to make sure that, you know, instead of ordering a bunch of SKUs that nobody's going to buy, you know, you're using predictive analytics or voice of consumer, um, you know, insights to make sure that you're, getting your supply chain is feeding the market of, of goods that consumers want. So yeah, there's, there's, there's some problems. And I, I think the um, the other important key is, is also where, where we source. Like, you know, does it make sense to do some onshoring at this point? I think you're going to have to. Right? You know, so, especially if you're going to do it in smaller quantities. I mean, it's it's if, if you have something that's multi-seasonal, you're probably fine. You've got a pair of blue jeans you're going to be fine. But if you have stuff that's going to come quick, I mean, we have clients that have real problems receiving their their products into the country as a result of, you know, ports being closed to a lot of things. So I think they're oh. going to, have to rethink. Right. Remember that? That's probably going to come up soon. Remember the, the West Coast West Coast port closures? I don't know. Nightmare. You know, I'm sure a lot of brands were you know, shipping goods on, on aircrafts, you know, on airplanes. It was like ridiculous, right? So you have to rethink that. And, and also, I mean, I think the consumer is smart. I, I think if it's manufactured here uh, and it's in limited quantities, would they pay more? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think, you know, I would rather make an investment in a, in a product that I know know, know is, is made well in, in the U.S. or nearby um, and that's going to last me a little bit longer and it's, you know, is it, uh, you know, 20 bucks, 30 or, you know, sorry, 20% more. 25% more, I would probably pay that, you know, but so I think the consumer, there's willingness on a consumer uh, to do that. Well, you might not have a choice either, because if you're not able to get your product in, you're, you're stuck. You're going to have to figure out how to manufacture it here. And there are a lot of incentives here now that are being put by the government to really encourage that. Thanks again for joining us for another version of Fashion Council. Fashion Council.